0: They believe that an abundant life is sustained by overcoming your fears through creating a circle that elevates you and rises with you. Your blissful journey begins now. Welcome to the Bliss Beyond Fear podcast. We have an interview today that we are just so happy to have the opportunity to interview. And this has been in the making. It has been. It has been.
1: Yes. Oh, my goodness. But we're excited because we know that the content that you'll get from this interview will be very relevant forever, but particularly Mm -hmm. in this season of quarantining and
0: sheltering and... All the things quarantining—that almost sounds fun. I know mean. <laughs> <laughs> you make you make everything fun, Des. I try. And you know, I'm all about fun. That's so, right. And this is going to be a fun interview. Um, so. Without any further delay, I would love to introduce you to Dr. Michelle Muggy. She's a dual licensed clinical psychologist and professional counselor and owner of Serenity Foundations, a private practice in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona. For the last 12 years, Michelle has worked with individuals and families in moving forward and beyond the labels of trauma and living as a victim. She has a passion for addressing these issues of trauma and anxiety to discover a new chapter in their lives and to really heal. Michelle truly believes that for her to
1: assist others in their healing process, she must do her own work and practice what she preaches. This means that she stays focused on creating a healthy balance between work, family, and social life when she can achieve balance, she can be fully present for her clients. Amen.
0: Welcome. Hi. <laughs> We're so happy to have you here. I'm and I'm I'm want to just dig right into your story and and you know what took you down the path to clinical psychology?
2: Um, yeah, so this wasn't a path that I originally wanted. I never wanted to go into the mental health field at all before. I was on the path um, to become a pediatrician. So I wanted to go to medical school. And while I was um, interning, Um, pre-med interning at an ER one night, I had to watch a teenage girl, um, who was brought in for an overdose and she was completely out of it. She didn't know where she was. She barely knew who she was. Um, but she was, as you would expect frantic. Um, and so they had me sit with her and guide her through, um, the night. I spent several hours with her just, making sure she was okay and talking her through some of the procedures they made her go through. And it was that night that I decided that counseling was the path that I actually wanted to do. And so I um, switched majors from biology to psychology, and I've been down that path since
0: Wow, that must have been such a must have made such an impression on you that night to just say, I'm gonna pivot and and go in this whole different direction. That's awesome.
1: It did. That's yeah. a life changing
0: moment. It really is. Yeah. A story
1: like that yeah, and med- and affected you. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And medical school was something I had wanted to do since I was eight years old when I had um, surgery as a child. And it, I had never wavered from that until that night. And going through school, I had questioned, is this something I really wanted to do? And I battled a lot with it. And it was that night that really reinforced that, you know, this is a path that I need to take. And after that, I didn't question it.
0: That's a calling. Totally. I have, you know, I'm curious about something. When you, when you decided, now this is something you wanted to do from the time you were eight years old. So I'm Mm -hmm. sure your family knew about it. Your friends all knew about it. This is what you were going to do. This is the path that you, that you were going to go on. Did you get like pushback or just total support from your family? Were they like, what are you crazy? Like, where is this coming from? Did you hit yourself on the head? What's going on?
2: There was actually both. Um, Everyone wanted to support me, but they also questioned, is this really something that you wanted to do? Because it is something that I had talked about my entire life. And so there was some pushback. Um, My husband always knew me as pre-med. And when I said, I'm not going to medical school, he was like, what? (laughs) So you know, he wanted to support me, but he also wanted to make sure that this was something that I really wanted to do and that I wasn't going to regret it later on. And so, um, yeah, I, I got a lot of support from it. Now, once I did get my degree, <laughs> um, I did question, should I have gone back to medical school? Um, cause I wanted to be a doctor. And so after I got my master's, I worked for a while as a counselor and then I went back and got my doctorate. And so now I'm a doctor, different field, but I still got, I still went down the road that I intentionally wanted to do in the end.
0: So what are some of the common challenges that you help your clients with?
2: Um, A lot of the main issues I deal with in my practice is around trauma and anxiety. And it pretty much goes hand in hand. If someone goes through trauma, they're going to develop um, some type of mental health struggle. I don't want to say disorder or disease, but they do develop some type of struggle. And the majority of it that I see is around anxiety and depression. And th- they kind of go hand in hand at times. So those are the struggles that they, that I see with my clients, just really um, things that sh- they struggle with around their self-esteem issues, their self-worth and how they interact with everyone around them. And it doesn't just involve work-related issues or school-related issues. It involves relational issues, which is who we are. We're humans, we relate. And so that is something that they, is something that they need to really work on when they go through those issues. I'm
1: curious how much impact, if at all, has this time of the pandemic influenced you seeing more uh, anxiety or depression come up with your clients,
0: or or maybe even new clients? Because that's basically like a trauma. Like we're all kind of mm-hmm. we're going through. It's considered a trauma, right? Yeah, Yeah, a lot of people (laughs)
2: are going through some level of trauma through this pandemic because um, unless you were around for the Spanish flu or any of those um, pandemics, you're not going to know how to navigate through this. And for a lot of them, it means losing a job. For the kids, it means losing social interaction, which is so important for all of them, whether or not they're... In public school, private school, or even homeschool, even homeschool kids are being impacted because they're not able to get that social interaction that they, most of them do have. And so it is creating a lot of trauma, particularly for the kids and the parents who aren't able to um, get their regular paycheck, not knowing whether or not they're going to have their job after this because they can't go into the office.
0: So I have a question as you're talking about this I'm I'm thinking about the listener that um that listens to our podcast a lot of the women that listen to uh, our podcast are single moms and as you're saying this I'm immediately applying it to my life and what it What it could look like in my life as far as the trauma that's happened with me. And my mind directly went to my kids. My kids have been through the trauma of the loss of their dad. I'm now watching them go through the loss of friendships because they, you know, they're moving away to go to different states because of the, you know, the finances. And also because now people can do things on Zoom. You can go anywhere. Um, Going to the grocery store and seeing people with masks on have given. Given them anxiety, all of these things I can see as being like a trauma, trauma trigger. What advice would you give to our listener who's a mom that could help their child through? this or help their loved one or, you know, or somebody. I know that we're not therapists, but I know I'm pretty sure that there's some things I could do to damage them. I I think I might be kind of good at that at times. So (laughs) if I could figure out a way to avoid it, I would love that that information.
2: (laughs) That'd be good. The best thing a parent can do for their child is to simply be there for them to talk to them about it and allow them to express their emotions, whatever that is so not discounting an emotion that they're feeling we often as parents if our child is saying I'm scared or I'm sad you know it, it's really in it in our instincts we want to say well you're okay you're you shouldn't feel sad. You shouldn't be scared. But the fact of the matter is they are scared. And so allowing them to express that fully and not feel as if they shouldn't feel that way, because all emotions are important. All emotions are valid. And it's just, as long as they're able to talk through it, they can release the energy that builds around it. But if they're told not to have it. As innocent as that is, they're going to, they're going to feel as if it's not important or it's not okay for me to feel that. I always have to be strong. And so they start to wear that mask um, and not allow other people to see their emotions. And that's where some of the issues we see with communication, with interacting with other people, with being authentic with people, that's where it starts to develop again, not intentional, but, you know, it's those little messages that these kids get that things or feelings are not okay, then they're not able to resolve them in the future or deal with them. They nearly stuff them away.
1: I, think, I feel like that's so huge because when you see people in their adulthood and their response mechanisms in different situations, when there's triggers and they clam up or those behaviors continue. And so mm-hmm. what you're saying is that it's a highly influential time for kids to be able to have the experience of honest, vulnerable conversations because it helps them to process reality. And and then that helps them
2: in adulthood, I, I
1: think. That's yeah. great.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we can be so scared about what they're going through about them feeling sad or making it worse, but, and, and we try to, um, push it away, but it it only makes it worse. It does more damage than, than good.
0: That is such good information to know.
1: Yeah. And so I know that when we've talked to you before, one of the things that you're really big on is self-care and we certainly agree with that. And there's, I think people can use that, you know, right now, what, what can people be doing in the spirit of self care? I mean, certainly during this time, but I think even just generally, you know, when we think about taking care of ourselves and our lives and our well being, and especially our mental health, which is so critical, what are some of the things that you would recommend and that you see with your clients?
2: Well, self care is going to look very different for everyone. Um, It's important that we don't Think about what we should be doing um, because, you know, one person may see self-care as practicing yoga um, or getting a massage or, you know, going in a spa, getting our nails done or whatever that looks like. But for others, that may not be something that will allow them to relax and regroup. For others, using their voice is a form of self-care acknowledging this is how I'm feeling, this is what I need is a form of self-care. I know a lot of moms, especially single moms, who will put everyone's needs ahead of them um, because it's too selfish to focus on preparing a good meal for themselves or taking that 10-minute break alone without kids screaming or asking for a babysitter because they have to put their children above themselves. But when they don't allow themselves to to engage in some form of self-care, their energy is depleted, both physically and emotionally. And when that happens, they're not able to be supportive of their children 100%. They can try and they do their best. But when they're tired and burned out and frustrated and emotional, Anything that their child does is going to be chaotic. It's going to be stressful for them and they're not going to be able to provide their children with exactly what they need. And that's to be fully present for, for when they do need a talk.
1: That's huge. Yeah, you know, you I'm listening to you saying those things like a massage or yoga and I'm I'm like I have all these marks going off in my head like, yeah, yeah all of those yeah, things. Yeah. I love that. And um, <laughs> I miss the salons and all the things, you know. Um but I love how um, almost simplistic we forget like just being able to communicate your your feelings and take off that, you know, I'm not okay right now or I need a minute or you know it's it's exhausting I think for so many to have that mask on of everything's fine everything's great I'm going to get it all done it's going to be perfect and then it's it's that's just impossible to hold that up you know and I think so many especially women do that because there's so many hats and Fortunately or unfortunately, we're pretty good at multitasking. Right. And so it's, it's, it can become exhausting. So just being honest and being able to communicate those moments to take care of even just your, your, your peace a little bit can be helpful.
0: Yeah. And even and I love, I love how you, you're, you're passionate about self-care. I feel like self-care is accepted. I feel like mental health is kind of, there's a stigma by it, right? And when you think about taking care of your mental health, like you would your physical health, in the form of it being self-care, it just, it just gives you a different attitude about it. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, takes the label off,
2: mm-hmm. definitely.
1: You have a voice and a message, but it can be hard to raise your voice above the noise. So how do you reach your audience and inspire them to take action? How do you increase your influence, grow your network, and drive engagement? Podcasting is a powerful way to build a connection with your audience and turn that crowd into a community. But where do you start? Rockwood Audio works with entrepreneurs and businesses to design and craft high-quality, smart content that fits your brand like a glove. Rockwood's podcast launch package includes one-to-one coaching and development, strategic and technical support, audio and visual branding, broadcast quality editing and production, and even distribution and setup. They'll get you from idea to iTunes in half the time with a great sounding show that your audience will love. They even wrote the theme music for this show. And Rockwood subscription editing, production, and publishing services takes away the hassle so you can focus on what's important. For a free consultation, go to rockwoodaudio.com. That's R O K K Wood.com. Rockwood Audio, brand out loud, the world is listening. To Jean Marie's point about men, just mental health and well being, it doesn't get treated sometimes in the same regard or in equity with a medical condition. Right. You know, and it's, there's truly a lot of, of mental support that's needed and required. But so often people say, oh, well, I don't want to go to therapy. Oh, like people are going to think there's something wrong with me. And, oh, well, I don't want that. You know, like, there's there's something about it, like, mm-hmm. going to therapy is bad, and um, whereas it's just, like, you would go to the regular doctor to make sure that everything's in order, right? Everything's working, and you would go to the dentist to mm-hmm. make sure your
0: teeth are good, and you go to your eye doctor. I mean... And when you don't, bad things happen. (laughs) When you don't go to the dentist, (laughs) when stuff's going on, bad things happen. Yeah. And when you're stressed out about stuff and your heart's freaking out and you don't go to the hospital, you end up having heart attacks and leaving your wife with a bunch of kids. Like, you know, there's bad things that happen when you ignore (laughs) that stuff. Right. And um, I think true. So I'm curious. What are some of the things that you, what are some of the activities that you do with your clients to help them process through that?
2: I, for the most part, I make sure that they just really talk. I allow them to talk about their week. For some of them, simply just using me as a sounding board, it releases all of that stress and energy and allows them to just be able to get a different perspective because they've been able to talk through it. Um, for others, you know, it's it's learning how to communicate with their family or their friends or their employers because they're not sure or they question or overthink what they should be saying. Um, they don't allow themselves to be authentic with their loved ones, and so we'll go through role playing. Um, in the sessions, and so they'll ask me a question, and I'll respond back as themselves or as their loved ones, and I'll, I I do a lot of questioning. It, it, where, when they have some fears and anxieties that are a bit irrational, I'll ask them, where are, where do you get, um, where, why are you freaked out about a clown jumping out of the...
0: (laughs) out of the gutter when we're walking on a walk right <laughs> right
2: where is that coming from yeah so i asked ask them to seek the proof where where's the proof in what you're saying um especially when they believe that everyone hates them mm. or they're not worthy of someone's love or they're a bad person that they're not good enough so a lot of those are very common um or they're in danger, or there's some threat in their environment. And so we start to look at what are the proofs that you're seeing in your environment that reinforces that idea? And how do we start reframing that between-
1: Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, Because
2: I mean, I imagine that, like if somebody
1: has that feeling, let's just say, because that could be common. We hear that all the time. I'm not, I'm not enough. I'm not worthy. And then you're asking these such important questions. um, And that could be one person that is making, Mm -hmm. and it's still not good, but then there's an interpretation that could be, it's everyone because there's this, you know, one dominant force, then it makes it feel like, oh, well, everybody must think that I'm. This or that, yeah. Um. So that that's so important to uncover those kinds of things because oftentimes I think it is things like that. You know, your immediate environment that might be a little volatile that's influencing you, and then when people are not actually communicating effectively to that loved one, like, this is how I really feel. And then they come to you, that's a safe space. Yeah. So they're talking to you, saying the things that they actually need to say. Yeah. To their spouse, to a parent, to a child, to a loved one. Right.
2: And a lot of times it's assumptions that they make. Um, About what the other person is thinking or feeling Um, And so that's where the communication comes in and feeling being authentic with the other person And when I am working with couples Most times they find out. Oh, that's not actually what they were thinking Um, but you know (laughs) I'm like you guys got to talk in order for that to change
0: Yeah, that's like Brene Brown says that where we lack data. There's a story we tell ourselves
2: absolutely and you lack
0: data when mm-hmm. you, you make assumptions. avoid communication <laughs> yeah right when you're not right. communicating right. you communicate then yeah. you get the data then you have an understanding everything is always better when you talk yeah. I'm a big right. talker yeah. well
1: and then i think examples are critical because like to your point where is that coming from that feeling mm-hmm. Of, of lack, insufficiency comes from somewhere. So if you can find the source, then you can start to dissect, you know, how to, like you said, reframe it. I love that word, reframe.
0: So with right. within your clients uh, what what is a common thread that you see as the successful clients that have been able to sustain this healing because i would imagine it's like an ongoing process it's not like they come see you one time okay we're good bye bye you're all better and you go you move on what are what would what would you say is that common thread
2: uh the ones who do really well really quickly are the ones who actually go out and practice what we've talked about. Um, A lot of them will come in and we'll talk about some of the things they need to do between sessions. They're all um, on board. And then they start to think about it a little bit more. They start to ruminate about what ifs um, and fear of the unknown. And so, you know, those are things that We really have to talk about what kept you from pursuing um, what you were supposed to do, what held back. And then we start talking about what do you think needs to happen in order for you to, to follow through? What is it in your life that needs nurturing? Do you need someone to hold you accountable? Do you need some way to release that energy, to ground yourself before you approach that person or that event? And so they'll come back and we'll continue to talk about it. In the end, the person who really wants to see change and to face the fears and face the struggles head on are the ones that um, I never see again <laughs> because Aww. they're doing the work. Yeah. 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 But so, that's, so, that's awesome. so, what
0: you're saying is that the teachable ones, the ones that are willing to submit themselves to the process and go forward and, and, and do it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And that's not to say that I have clients that I've seen, um, for a while now, but they're coming in for refreshers. They're coming in because they've had such an exhaustive list of trauma and negative experiences that, you know, that the typical 12 session rule doesn't apply. And so for some of them, I will see them for a longer period of time because we have to get through each layer at a time. But then I get to see the progress they make. Those who make great deal of progress are the ones that are willing to face those fears and um, again, do the work between sessions.
1: Yeah, that that's so powerful. Um I was able to participate in this virtual Tony Robbins Unleash the Power Within experience recently and there's a lot of a lot of the uh, content was related to that recognition of habits and patterns that we create through different life experiences and our ability to gain what we actually want in life um and success can be defined in so many different ways mm-hmm. but just the things that you want the thriving you know beautiful life that we all want is is really shifted in those tiny details of patterns behaviors and habits that keep us from going back to traumatic events and and stories so i, I that really resonates with me because i know even having gone to therapy at different times, there's different seasons of your life too. So right. just because you, you, you've you kind of not nec- even necessarily mastered, but have just improved maybe communication or actions in one area, there's other things that happen that you might need to kind of dust off the tools and just figure out how to apply it in a new way. And and that's kind of what I found. So there's ways to be successful, but sometimes you do need a little bit more of peeling back the onions to feel like you can apply it in all of the dimensions of your life.
2: So uh, it's good to hear absolutely. you say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and a lot of the clients, you know, they, they are fearful of making mistake and feeling like a failure. Um, but it's even in those times of Their perceived failures is there's a lesson that you can learn from that and that you can apply in the future, especially those who failed at relationships, where um, I see quite a bit of that. And so, you know, they either stay in a relationship that's toxic or they repeat the patterns in other relationships. Um, And then time and time again saying, well, I I failed at it and they're embarrassed by it. And so I try to help reframe that for them and say, okay, let's take a look at these relationships and see what kind of lessons did you learn from them and how can we apply that in the future and start to resolve some of those issues that they had so that they no longer feel like a failure. It was a relationship that was toxic and it had to end. And so- you know, taking a different perspective.
0: So I have a question for you. Uh, with my husband passing away and me moving on to another relationship, just recently um, I was talking to a cousin and my man and I are are planning for our future. We are talking about, you know, being together and having the girls together and everything. And this, this subject came up. Um, because of that. And she said to me, well, you know, you didn't have very much time to yourself. How do you know? And I'm listening to you talk about how repeating, you know, repeating bad relationship decisions with, because you didn't really fully understand or didn't heal from that toxic relationship. In a sense, you know, you know, there was a trauma and I'm moving on. I am always analyzing myself because everybody's got their opinion about when that time is. You know, some people think, you know, three well, months so, some is people too think soon you and move on, five years is right? too soon. You There's know? some people
1: that think you shouldn't move on at all. Yeah. Some people mm-hmm. think like if your loved one and you've been together forever, then okay, they're gone yeah. now. You just go yeah, you go just knit. do your just, thing. Yeah. just knit.
0: Just do and, that. And I would imagine... I don't know. This is a story I'm telling myself because I lack the data, which is why I'm asking you the question. <laughs> um, but I would imagine for everybody, it's going to be different. But, yeah. you know, I'm always searching inside of myself. I'm always trying to be introspective and trying to, to, to make sure that I've, you know, dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's when I'm moving forward with things. So what, what would you say to that? As far as like the advice that you would give the the widow out there, how soon is it to move on the the one that broke up with a toxic relationship, how soon is it to move on like what would be like if you could say an identifying factor i,
2: I well <laughs> it's again it's going to be different for everyone. There is no time limit um to when you can start or Um, enter a relationship, I think the most important piece, if you do have some unresolved issues in previous relationships, is bringing that to the surface in your current one, especially if you're starting to see the same patterns, being honest about what you're seeing um, and talking it out. And if your partner is not willing to process that with you, well, then you have a little bit more data about that current relationship.
1: Processing is so important.
2: So important,
0: right? Yeah, because I feel like I, I'm to. I'm quick to process stuff. Like I literally, you know, in in my relationships, and I I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but I'm quick to forgive, and I'm quick to to just move on. Like, okay, you hurt my feelings. I feel heard. I believe that you're going to take that information and do better. I'm done. Pass the potatoes. Like, sure, okay. And um, with Wes, he's like, I have to process it for three days. And I'm, <laughs> you know, to me, I, I, I have a hard time having patience with him because I'm thinking, you're in control of yourself. Why are you taking so long to go over this? When in my mind, there might be an offense that he did that on a scale of one to 10 could be a 10. And the the offense that I did was on a scale of one to 10 a three, and he's taken three days and I take 10 minutes, you know, (laughs) yeah.
2: Yeah, again, with with that in mind, um, it's important to understand that people um, process uh, interactions very differently, and it's going to be based on their own history. Um, what may not bother you may have a significant impact on them based on their own trauma history. For example, someone may love giving hugs and receiving hugs, and it feels like a warm blanket around them very nurturing whereas someone who's been physically or sexually abused a simple touch on their shoulder can send them into a panic attack um, because they they have that physical trauma reaction to it and it's the same thing with emotions um, Some people need time to process because they may not understand or they may need time to ground themselves and you know, think about the situation where others are like you are able to forgive. I don't think that you forget. I think you take what you've seen and you apply it to the future. Um, but it's it's great that you're able to forgive and move on. Um, but some, some people like myself <laughs> need a little bit of time to process. Um, and eventually we'll get there as well. Something that he said
0: to me is he feels like, I move on too fast, so I'll come back to it. I think that's just a woman who remembers things. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and, and he's like, he's like, I'll process it because when I'm done, I'm going to be done with it. You process it really quick, but you'll remind me the next time I do it again. And I'm thinking, no, that's just because I remember. <laughs> I mean, I don't put it up in his like, you know, it's not like I... Expect him to do it again, but when he does it again, there may be an example Where i'll i'll bring it up when it's cued mm-hmm. I usually don't I, I try not to to do that on that's not my heart to be you know I'm going to remember that for forever.
1: I think that's why it's so important. You know you when you started earlier in talking about um, What you do for your clients you pointed out that one of the biggest things is communication and I, I think that's so paramount. It's so fundamental here because that's really the foundation for everything. It can be misinterpreted. It, there's, there's so many things when it, when it's missing, um, that you can misconstrue about whomever it is that you're needing to do that with. And oftentimes in intimate relationships, but even with like parent-child, siblings, friendships, and things like that, when, when people have different ways of processing Part of it is that you see things from your lens and the pair of glasses Mm -hmm. someone else is wearing is seeing it from theirs. And so there is that dance of wanting to get your point across and your perspective while also having that intentionality and compassion to put yourself in someone else's shoes, which I think is sometimes difficult for us, especially when we feel like they're so opposite from ourselves.
2: Yeah, and, and that's where um, compromise is going to come in. So the person who has to talk it through um, or actually who has to process it for themselves and think about it a little bit more, there needs to be a time limit. So, you know, saying I need a break and letting that go on for a week or two weeks or a month, you know, there's going to need to be a time where you can say, okay, let me process it. Let me regroup and let's come back to it, say tomorrow or in an hour. Um, And the other person who is very quick to forgive and move on, it is going to be important that that person is willing to be able to sit and process that with them. Um, And that way the two of you can come together and really understand where the other person is coming from and why, why, each person is reacting the way they do. But if one person, if both people are putting up walls, you're never going to get to the source of it. And it is going to come up again in a future situation. We
0: love the work that you're doing and, 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 and everything. Uh, we're so excited um, to have met you and been able to connect. And I know that, the, that this has been great for our listeners to hear. What are some of the workshops that you're doing? Are you doing now expanding on Zoom and kind of taking advantage of that? Have you been able to do that?
2: I have a women's therapy group that um, I provide through video conferencing in Arizona, um, at some point, I will be providing a a, a group for coaching clients um, that anyone in the U.S. can participate in. But right now it is just in Arizona. Um, it's an open-ended uh, group for women who need to come in and just discuss their issues outside of in- individual therapy. So it doesn't replace that. It's it more complements it um, and it allows for some women to have that social interaction with other women who are struggling through the sim- similar things that they're going through and to create that bond. And again, just really connect with other women, knowing that they're not alone.
1: That's huge. I love that. Well, we have
0: to keep in touch with us so that we can, yeah. we'll definitely pr- be promoting that because we know that that is much needed mm-hmm. for sure. So people in Arizona- can
1: participate in that. There there may be mm-hmm. some things that you expand. So we'll make sure to share your
2: website, which is what? It's serenityfoundations.com. Perfect. So we'll yeah. make sure people have and, that. And within the next year, I am hoping to have a premarital um, couples retreats in Northern Arizona. So, um, these are for couples either entering their first marriage or second, third, fourth marriage, um, to come in and really have a long weekend to bond with each other, learn about each other before making that commitment, um, and going through that communication, um, process. So I'm excited about that. I know that's
0: awesome.
2: Wow.
1: So many people can benefit. I bet there's so many people that are like, I should have done something like that. <laughs>
0: can I do that with Dez? No. <laughs> <laughs> right?
2: Like, hold I'm on, not everything. engaged, yeah. but I'm, I'm really like excited about Everybody <laughs> needs that. a retreat. So I'm in the process of putting it together and it's going to be great. I'll have yoga there. I'll have someone doing massage. I'll have a personal chef. So it's, it's going to be <laughs> and people people will just be like getting into relationships so they can That's go to the so retreat awesome. now um, uh- Bring them, bring them all. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> awesome. That is awesome. fantastic. Well, we, we
0: will definitely make sure that we put everything on the show notes so so anyone in the area can connect with you and we will keep in touch with you in case you have any workshops. We would love to collaborate with you. Yes. And, uh, we we Absolutely. support what you're doing. We are so excited it's so about needed. the movement and, and helping people in that way. I know it's so needed and, I, and I'm and i just so excited about it. So
1: um, we, we always, you know, we have these intense conversations, these big questions, these tough questions, and you know, it's all the feels are happening. So we always like to end our interviews on a little bit more of a fun, lighter note. So we have what we call the blissful bonus round of questions that are a little more fun. So Jean Marie is going to ask you a question. (laughs) And then I'm going to let you do like a little roulette game where you pick a number between one and 20. And then I'll ask you another question. So I'll let Jean Marie start.
0: Are you ready for okay. this? Dun, 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 I dun, am. Dun. Okay, here we go. Here we go. All right. If a movie was being made of your life and you could choose the actress
2: to play, who would you choose and why? Oh, it hasn't changed. It's um, Natalie Portman. I love her. Natalie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Tell our listeners why would you choose Natalie Portman. She is um kinda like me and you ladies, um, petite and can be spunky at times, but can have a serious side That's to right, her. She's besides a well-rounded yeah.
0: Women under five foot unite. <laughs> we can do big yeah. stuff too. Yeah. yeah, That's a yeah. great one. Yeah, she's so a really she's dynamic. So, yeah, that's a good one. She's a dynamic totally, I can actress. see that in, in, in Michelle's presence yeah. And, yeah. and everything. She could be serious. But she can be fun. Yeah. I love yeah. that. Yeah. She's awesome. <laughs> Smart and sharp. Yeah, 100%. Yeah.
1: And she's beautiful. So she's everything. Mm. All the package. Yeah, she is. Okay, so now you get to pick a number between 1 and 20, and then I'll ask you whatever question. 16. 16. <laughs> okay. What was your least favorite food as a child, and do you still hate it, or do you love it now?
2: Oh, there are so many. I, I, I'm i um, so Filipino, many. Were you a picky and so eater? there's... There's quite, <laughs> there's quite a few different things I ate as a child that I would not eat today. But I think, um, well, wait, no, it's the the opposite. One, it
0: was what did you not like?
2: Oh, when you were a child, I will eat now.
0: Yeah.
1: Or you oh. might not still like it now. But definitely the something that, you know, either it always showed up at the dinner table and you just were not about it or you tried it and you were like, never again.
0: Blech. When I was younger, like for some reason, I got on this thing where I said I didn't like spaghetti. I don't know why, (laughs) but I said I didn't like spaghetti. And then every time that it it was just like a thing, I didn't even really after a while didn't even really know what what it tasted like. Wasn't even really thinking about it. it was a friend's house. I ate it. And and then my mom came to pick me up and was like, she doesn't like spaghetti. Oh, she ate all of it and had seconds. I was just being a brat. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god. Was there
2: anything like that that you oh, were like, "No, mom's making." That's funny. That's hilarious. Yeah, there there is and it, it's um something my dad made all the time. Um it was always showing up at every family party and growing up we had family parties every single weekend. And um initially I hated it and a lot of people I know now who are not Filipino or who actually are still don't like it and they get oh grossed out by it. Oh my gosh, I cannot and, wait to hear what it is because I'm wondering if um, I don't like it either. <laughs> yeah. It, and it's referred to as a Filipino chocolate meat. Okay, but it's girl, actually, I had a
1: feeling you were going to say that. Is it that
2: half chicken <laughs> thing you guys eat? No, let her explain <laughs> no, it. Let, her, let a, her explain it and then it, we'll it. it's a It's a Filipino pork blood stew called dinugon. Um yeah and it's it's what it sounds like it's it's pork blood stew made with meat and you put it on a bed of rice it sounds gross but it if you it it's a it, it's something that i cherish whenever i see it it reminds me of my dad it reminds me of my childhood and my son um had made it one day and it was it was so amazing it was almost as good, if not as good, as his grandfather's. Oh, my so. gosh. So
0: you didn't like it as a kid, but now it's not really. a, it's like warm, wonderful feelings. Uh, yeah. Because it's yeah. warm blood. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, okay. I'm gonna yeah, my have husband to re- still won't eat it, revisit. but I love it. I'm going to have to revisit because um, I honestly think that as a kid, you know, growing up Filipino, Filipino family, We ate all the things Filipino. And um, Mm -hmm. I think it was psychological because my my family loves it. You know, my sister, my mom. And I think because now maybe if it wasn't told to me that it was blood, then it would not be as weird in my head. So just for you, I think I'm going to revisit it because I, I have the yeah. same sensations about it, but mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, I've, Manny, I've, this evo- is like I've evolved for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Totally. yeah, <laughs> that, awesome. yeah. I'm evolving. <laughs> and, I, I'll retry.
0: <laughs> yes, you yeah. will. Yes, you will. And
2: if if you think about it, uh, if you visit other countries, especially European countries, they all have their version of some type of blood stew or sausage or something. Um, and so it, it's not just the Asian culture; it's European as well. But you if you go. do eat it, eat it with those those green peppers that are often cooked with it. Give it that okay. little tangy flavor.
0: <laughs> that is so and cute that rice. your son made it. How how old is which yes. one? The f- you have like a 14? It's my older one. Oh,
2: that's right. I have, older one. I have a 24-year-old who is now married. <gasps> um, so I'm so excited to have a daughter-in-law oh. now. Her name is Jackie. She's married to my son, Jacob.
0: So that's awesome. Jackie
2: and Jacob, <laughs> yeah.
1: congratulations yeah. on your nuptials
2: yeah. from <laughs> Blissful Fortitude. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, that's We're so excited for them. So I have yet to meet her because they're in Europe. But see, now you got to
1: cook for her. You got to cook for her and mm-hmm. show her all the dishes. And
2: oh, my son does already. Oh, so. <laughs> what a good son! You taught him <laughs> he's, well. He—he's actually a better cook than I am. Wow, oh, that's a man. keeper. That's <laughs> yes. awesome. Fan- Good job, mama. Fantastic. <laughs> uh,
0: well, thank you very much for coming today and for sharing your wisdom and your encouragement. And um, we are just, like I said, we're just we're so happy that you were able to share share all that information. I know that's gonna really make a difference yes. for a lot of people.
1: Thank you so much. We're honored to oh, have you here. You,
0: Well, thank you. I love talking to you ladies. Yes. (laughs) We'll keep up the dialogue for sure. That's right. Well, for our listeners, thank you also for listening. Please subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. And if you are an Apple user... We would love it if you would rate and review our podcast. We would really appreciate that. We would love to do a shout out yes. to our, our man, Ben, with Rockwood, Rockwood Audio. Audio. Audio.
1: Auto, audio. Audio, um, audio, audio. Because we just couldn't do it without him. We couldn't do it without you. <laughs> we couldn't do it you. without Thank you, you man. so
0: much, especially for these interviews that we do long distance. That's right. <laughs> distance, it's not just distance learning, it's distance interviewing too. That's right. <laughs> and until next time, may your faith be greater than your fears. And
1: remember, you are your only limit, so take action today. Thanks for listening to the Bliss, Bliss Beyond, Beyond Fear
2: podcast. Fear. podcast.